0: Welcome back to our podcast, Regulation Matters, A Clear Conversation. I'm your host, Lion Dempsey. We've got a great one for you today. I'm currently the Chief Compliance Officer with Rick Associates Family Dentistry here in North Carolina, and I'm also CLEAR's President-elect. As many of you are probably aware, the Council on Licensure Enforcement and Regulation, or CLEAR, is an association of individuals, agencies, and organizations that comprise the international community of professional and occupational regulation. This podcast is an opportunity for you to hear about important topics in our regulatory community. Today, our guest is Al Carter. He is the Executive Director and Secretary of the National Association of Boards of Pharmacy. So we're super glad to have you with us today. Welcome. Thank you, Lion.
1: I'm excited to be here.
0: Well, we're certainly glad to speak with you. And also, let me thank our listeners for joining us today today. On today's podcast, we're talking about a report from the NABP, uh, the National Association of Boards of Pharmacy, that they had a work group um, to consider extending waivers that were issued during the pandemic. Now, before we do a deep dive into that, um, for our listeners who may not be pharmacy regulators, can you give maybe a quick introduction to the NABP?
1: Sure. Uh, National Associations of Boards of Pharmacy is a nonprofit organization we were founded in 1904. Um, and, our, and our true focus is support and working with our members, which are state boards of pharmacy, to protect public health. So our members consist of the 50 United States boards of pharmacy, uh, as well as the boards of pharmacy in the District of Columbia, Guam, Puerto Rico, and the Virgin Islands. And we have association membership with the 10 Canadian provinces and the Bahamas. And, and really our focus is on, uh, you know, efforts to increase prescription drug safety through examinations for uh, licensure for pharmacists, um, as well as verification services and uh, various degree of pharmacy accreditations.
0: Well, that's excellent. Well, thank you for that. That's, I think that's very helpful for our listeners. Um, so for, you know, kind of to set the stage, if you would, for our conversation today, can you give me some background of this work group? And if, specific charge that maybe um, the, the Board of Directors have given it?
1: This work group was really a focus on um, looking at current provisions due to COVID-19 and what should be made permanent based off these provisions uh, moving forward in the future. And so the work group was charged with three items. It was one to review all the provisions that were waived by Boards of Pharmacy during COVID Uh, Second, to advise which of these waivers, if any, could safely remain in effect beyond COVID-19 for public health emergency. And then also to amend our Model Act, which boards of pharmacy use as guidance when developing regulations and statutory changes within their state.
0: Well, you know, clearly COVID-19, the pandemic, has forced us all to adapt um, our work in different ways. I mean, people are working from home and in, in all kinds of different industries now that maybe wasn't even an option before, you know, some of the changes that, you know, have brought about like kind of unexpected positive results in a sense of, Hey, you know, is it, is it better to do it this way? Right. you asking that question. Um, but other changes kind of reflected a last resort way of doing something, you know, is it better even necessarily return to how it was done previous to, to the pandemic. So I understand that the work group, you know, looked at these pharmacy waivers uh, through the lens, through that kind of optic, if you would, um, and determined that there are three basic categories. Um, Can you lay out those categories for us? Sure. So we
1: looked at it in three ways. One is what should be looked at for permanent consideration. Uh, in all circumstances. Um, Second is what should be considered for special or unusual public health circumstances uh, or concerns such as like drug shortages uh, that were uh, a topic of issue at the beginning of COVID. Um, And then also those that are undeclared emergencies. Um, And so when you look at natural disasters and other emergencies that occur, um how do we address those and what should pharmacists have the capability to do in, in those scenarios
0: well gotcha. well obviously you know you're you're considering policy changes that are specific to pharmacy regulation but i think you know from clear's audience you know from a wide range of sessions um they would probably be interested to hear in kind of what criteria considerations you you utilized it that went through into the evaluation and, and categorizing the policy changes that you have into those categories that you described you know I mean or, or what would you say that what needs to go back? I mean, can you share I guess from the work groups' considerations and and maybe how you can apply to regulators and other professions who are you know currently evaluating their policy changes that have have occurred thanks to this pandemic?
1: Yeah, and I think that it occurs in a couple of ways. And we've also worked with the Federation of State Medical Boards um, and, and our counterparts within nursing and dentistry as well to look at this. And, and some of those are are instances as performing therapeutic substitutions or or dispensing emergency medicine where there is this ongoing pandemic or there is some type of emergency emergency uh, a patient can't get to their prescriber to see them for, um, for additional medications on their routine or, or chronic condition. And so working with them to make sure we establish processes and procedures so that they can do so going forward in a more formal way. Um, because really what happens, and and you'll see this not only with the pandemic or the beginning of the pandemic, but also with some natural emergencies where a, you know, say a hurricane come and I can relate to that, to say a hurricane comes and closes down a physician's office for weeks at a time, or what if it destroys a physician's office and the patients can't get in touch with with their physician to to renew their medications or their refills? It's working with, with the patients in, in those instances. So being able to dispense uh, emergency fill for 30, 60, or 90 days until they're able to get to um, to see their their primary care physician or specialist, and so making changes into the regulation to allow for that uh, through emergency, and so those were a lot of what was considered, um, especially with with COVID um, point of care testing. So so having the capability to test patients uh, upon their exposure to COVID to see if there was a positive test or, or negative COVID exposure, and and how to help with treating that. Um, in, in many situations over the last two years, patients haven't had the capability to get to a prescriber. In, in, in many ways, we've been working with some of the prescribers or physicians to say, go to your pharmacy, go where, where they have this capability to do so. So looking at those types of tests where we can continue to offer that service, whether it needs to be permanent or whether it should be something that's done during emergency or, you know, as an undeclared uh, emergency as has been seen in, in many instances over the last two years. So those were were kind of the basis for for how they how the task force looked at it and 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 moving forward with making recommendations. Um, if you look at the recommendations that the task force looked at to to address permanently, um, allowing pharmacy technicians to administer vaccines uh, to, to help facilitate that. Uh, Pharmacists were pulled in so many different directions with COVID and being able to do testing and and, and these different interactions with the patients and and also the prescribers. We needed to have a way to allow um, additional support and additional assistance when you're in a weakened uh, environment because of the the different exposures, the the different burnout issues that we're all dealing with as healthcare professionals. And so that was one where it's like, technicians can administer vaccinations. And it's, it was seen before COVID, but not on a very large scale. But now you've seen a lot of states move towards a permanent extension of allowing pharmacy technicians to do so. Others, as I mentioned earlier, is is on a temporary or emergency basis. But that's some of the things that this task force was looking at.
0: Well, that's a great example, you know, in um, particular, we we dealt with that in, in North Carolina as well. We, we did, the governor gave there's you know, some extended rights on being able to give vaccines and, and dentists for one of those so obviously i work in the, in the field of dentistry now and you know we were one of the only dentists in the state and one of only a few in the country that were actually able to offer that to the patients to be able to do it now as an emt i could do it but we didn't have a doctor that i worked directly under so i had to do all the paperwork i didn't actually get to give the shot i actually had to use um, a dentist um, but that same impact can be felt you know, across the board. So I guess going back to maybe what you guys have worked on, um, would you like to maybe highlight a few of the specific policy changes that the work group recommended in maybe each of the categories?
1: Sure. So um, there's a couple. Uh, first, looking at uh, remote uh, practice. And having the capability to do prescription processing and verification remotely, um, and the use of more telepharmacy, digital health, um, and the lacks of requiring in-person consultation. So one of the things that the, the the task force agreed to was that we have to have more of a digital presence and have a little bit more digital flexibility. And so they removed a lot of the requirements on the in-state practice to be able to do certain responsibilities that a pharmacist can do remotely. Um, Looking at therapeutic substitutions and discharge medications is another that we made a recommendation. So they agreed that pharmacists should be allowed to perform therapeutic substitutions within a same uh, FDA drug class in instances, um, unless it was prohibited by the prescriber. Um, So that's another one. I I mentioned the allowance of technicians to administer vaccines and and making recommendations to push that forward. Um, And then the other is electronic prescribing. I think that was a big focus of of electronic prescribing and agreed that under emergency declarations, paper prescriptions should be allowed to be used if not restricted by applicable federals. Um, And that's one of the things that we saw a lot of is you know, prescribers couldn't get into their offices um, or, or were working remotely. And, you know, where there's where there weren't requirements that that prescription had to be sent in using an e-prescription system, the capability to fax it in or, or use another me- method of prescribing and getting that information to the pharmacist to dispense medications to the
0: patient was something that was looked at. Excellent. Well... Um... What are your next steps for the work group, um, you know, you know, based on after what everything they've done, what are you guys' next steps? Yeah. So what
1: we what we're doing now is we've made changes to our model act um, that have been reviewed and accepted by our board. And and now we will be sending, or we have been sending and communicating that these changes to all of our member boards of pharmacy and working with them, providing them with uh with language to help them and assist them in rewriting their statutes and regulations within their states. And so it's been that's probably been the biggest focus that we've had in communicating all of that to uh, our membership on a regular basis.
0: Well, thanks, Al. I think this has been a, a great uh, conversation. So uh, thank you for speaking with us today.
1: Lion, I greatly appreciate it, and if there's ever anything else that we can do, I know we're full of uh, collaboration and partnership uh, with all healthcare professionals, and I think we have to move forward with the pandemic and any other emergency that comes about, so thank you again.
0: Well, absolutely. It's it's certainly been our pleasure. Well, I also want to thank our listeners for tuning in to this episode. You know, we invite you, as we do each uh, episode, to continue this conversation through our clear discussion forum. Now this podcast episode will be posted in clear communities and members can reply to the post with your comments or reactions. Um, Some questions to think about, um, you know, for your own profession is, you know, within that profession, uh, what changes uh, were made during the pandemic that you are planning to put in place permanently for what changes or waivers is it necessary to revert back to the pre pandemic policies? and what criteria are you using when making those recommendations and decisions. So we'd love to hear more about this from our community, Um, so please utilize CLEAR Communities to to keep this discussion moving. We'll be back with another episode of Regulation Matters, a CLEAR conversation very soon. Um, If you are new to the CLEAR podcast, please subscribe to us. You can find us on Podbean or any of your favorite podcast services. If you've enjoyed this podcast episode, please leave a rating or comment in the app. Those reviews and comments help us improve our ranking and make it easier for new listeners to find us. Feel free also to visit our website at www.clearhq.org for additional resources as well as a calendar of upcoming online programs and events. Finally, I'd like to thank our CLEAR staff, specifically Stephanie Thompson. She is our content coordinator and editor for this program. Once again, I'm Lyon Dempsey, and I look forward to speaking to you again very soon.